You are listening to Moisture Festival Podcast. Welcome to the Moisture Festival podcast. I am comedy stunt performer Matt Baker. And I am comedy magician Louis Fox. We are both performers at the Moisture Festival. The Moisture Festival, if you're unfamiliar, is a four-week festival celebrating variety arts in the Fremont neighborhood of Seattle. It is the largest festival of its kind in the world and features some of the best entertainers and comedians working today. The festival happens in the months of March and April, and not only do they have world-class variety acts, the Moisture Festival also hosts a week of burlesque shows. If you're listening to this during the festival, be sure to buy your tickets now, because 95% of the shows sell out. You can get tickets to all the shows by visiting the website moisturefestival.org. On this episode of the Moisture Festival podcast, we have the amazing Zero Boy. We talk about his start as an actor and all the current different characters he does, as well as his crazy work as a tour guide in New York. Yeah, we learn about the difference between what he does and what beatboxing is, what being a Foley is, and we learn about some of his time spent here in the town that I live in, Eugene, Oregon. <laughs> yes, it's a, it's a great interview. We know you'll love it. Our guest on today's Moisture Festival podcast is an actor, writer, director, entertainer, and vocal cartoonist based out of New York City. He has a real-life comic book of sound. He's appeared on MTV, Fox and Friends, Good Day New York, and is a regular on NPR's The Next Big Thing. We welcome to the Moisture Festival podcast, Zero Boy. (laughs) Yes, I'm here. (laughs) And so uh, what is a vocal cartoonist? Um, I'm uh, a person who tells stories with sound and a microphone, so a minimal amount of uh, pantomime, and then stuff like... Hello! Hello! So I make cartoons with sound. Oh, nice. That's awesome. The old-timey guys used to do the sound effects on the radio and the and for movies and stuff. Is that sort of similar? So I used to do a, a thing called Stage Shadows at the Museum of Television and Radio. And they had a Foley guy, and they had all the equipment from the old 1920s, 30s, 40s uh, stuff. So you saw, you know, the little door, the the, the box with the with the, that, with all, the, all that stuff. They had the Foley guy, but then I was the extra Foley guy. So when they wanted the steam, The gun, you know, the knife slit, stuff like that. Yeah, so that's awesome. So, yes. I like how they're like, we don't have the time to boil this tea kettle. Get, get zero, boy. Yeah. <laughs> how did you discover that that's you had the, these talents? Um, as a kid, I used to play alone all the time by myself, so it was easier to create worlds and uh, sound, uh, cartoon style uh 
little bit of pantomime. Next thing you know, I'm a firefighter, you know, or uh, got a chainsaw. <laughs> Playing loggers. We used to uh, watch old movies. I remember, I, for some reason, I just remember these old logging movies, you know, war films, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Um, so it just it evolved from there um, when I got to New York as an actor and uh, was I wanted to try out something a little different. Also, I thought sound is universal, so mm-hmm. I can perform without English anywhere. Now, I also thought it would also be time universally time consistent. In other words, mm-hmm. if someone sees a show, uh, hopefully, you know, 200 years later, they're not going, I have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> what, what is a steam engine? <laughs> what is a tea Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so where are you from? Uh, I'm originally, I grew up in Brookline, Massachusetts. That's Kennedy Town. Uh, so, and uh, lived there. And in 1984, 85, I moved to New York City. And so I've been living in New York. I spent a little time in uh, Oregon, in Eugene and Drain, little town in Drain. Yeah. And then I uh, spent a little time in, uh, I spent two years in Amsterdam, some time in Berlin, a lot of time in San Francisco. So, but mainly I'm a New Yorker. Amsterdam is the Eugene of Europe. <laughs> in some ways it really is, you know, then they know of Eugene more so than they, uh, up until recently with Portland and other things, Eugene would be on the map of the weirdo psychedelic knots more so than Portland. You know, they knew of Seattle because Seattle had the big music scene, but Eugene was the place of the anarchist weirdos, you know, you know, it's like, oh, Eugene, I know that place. Wow, you heard of it? <laughs> so. Well, Matt, Matt is based out of Eugene now is where he lives. That's where I live. Oh, okay, great. I was yeah. just there right after Moisture Fest. I oh, went there and spent a week and a half. Yeah. Oh, cool. So what's like the most common thing that people say to you after they see your performance? Besides, that was amazing. Um <laughs> Or uh, my child will never be the same. Um, Mainly it's, wow, I saw all these things. And then they'll describe stuff that I didn't do because, you know, a little pantomime. But I'm like, that's what you saw because I want your imagination to uh, fill in the rest, fill in the blanks. They're like, we loved it when you shot the bow and arrow with your toes. Yeah. Oh, God. It was a bow and arrow. (laughs) (laughs) No, did you did you like um, grow up around like people who did like beatboxing or like had other vocal, you know, because that's like a subgenre sort of what you do. So that's uh, my cousins of uh, sound demons, mm-hmm. beatboxers. They're more oriented towards music. I'm more oriented towards beatboxing as a tool in the kit. Uh, I'm more like let's tell the story rather gotcha. than the music soundtrack. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe the, the the soundtrack in some ways. I've worked with beatboxers. I've had the pleasure, but they, you know, I will acknowledge right off the top that they're the beatboxers. I can throw a beat. I can do a thing. I can make a soundtrack for mm. myself. But I'm not like you know the guy who's going to be sitting there. It's not for me. I was boots, a drummer when I was a cats. kid. Is yeah, boots yeah. Boots and cats or something. Yeah, boots, cuts, boots, cuts. <laughs> so you said you were a drummer? How'd you get into that? When I was a kid, my father worked at a place called the Elmo Lewis School of Fine Arts, which is a black cultural institution in Boston. He grew up in this uh, Jewish neighborhood. I'm a cashew, Catholic Jews. But uh, on my father's side, he grew up in a Jewish neighborhood in, in, in Boston, uh, which then became a ghetto. 
And so in the late, uh, late 50s, early 60s, Jews had moved out and it became an African-American ghetto. And it was a hardcore scene. And so I was the only white kid in all black cultural institution, uh, which was fascinating during busing in Boston. If you look it up, you'll see it was quite a contentious time. Boston is known as up south for a lot of black folks in New York. I like to say they have it so good they don't have bad they had it. So I was the only kid. So I had a lot of uh, influence from that. Uh, I studied with a guy by the name of Olatunji drums. Uh, and then uh, I was taught, uh, you know, I had a trap set. Yeah. And then from there in school, I was in the marching band. I was never that great at drums. I always thought, geez, if they gave me a wish, would it be, I wish I could be a great actor or I wish I could be a great drummer. I was like, I'd use the drummer thing because I don't think I can pull off great drummer, but I think I can pull off great mm-hmm. performer. I don't is know that, if that's and true. You were, you were in a band, cyberpunk. Is that is that true? Well, no, no. I was in a band. Uh, I was in a bunch of bands until I uh, in in high school, and then I stopped playing in music. Gotcha. So yeah, I mean, I I have uh, yeah. I'm just not a band guy. I don't have the. I can't <laughs> sit there and just lay out a beat. That's just. I mean, I can't stay consistent, steady. Uh well, you. I mean, now, you essentially are the band yourself now. Yeah, yeah, sometimes, you know, so doing a lot of singing recently. So. So, <laughs> hang on, you mentioned Boston, and so you have a connection with Boston, I think. I, I saw you try to put out a show called um, Death and Taxes about the Revolutionary War. So uh, years ago, uh, Sarah Palin said, you know, when Paul Revere rode ringing those bells and shooting off his pistols and warned the British, blah, blah, blah. I was like, are you kidding me? Because I grew up during the bicentennial. And then I realized I don't really know much about the revolt, do I? So I got an in-depth, I like to jump in. I'm a history guy. I'm also a mob tour guide in New York and a regular tour guide. But so uh, I jumped in full feet and started reading up on the Boston Revolution and uh, did a whole show about uh, Sam Adams and the Boston Revolt, Death in Texas. And what came of that show? Uh, You know, I did it in a few places uh, and then uh, moved on to the next show. Mm -hmm. Um, That was about 10 plus years ago. It was it was fun um, exploring the revolution uh, and uh, getting a sense of uh, how it really went down. What was the most interesting tidbit that you learned on your on like when you were writing that show? Hmm, I think it might just be I've come to the conclusion that uh, Sam Adams is the most successful revolutionary that's ever existed. Now, initially, when I said that, um, a historian said to me, no, it's Augustus, because he turned it from a republic into an empire. And I said, hmm. And I said, well, maybe the most successful progressive revolutionary, (laughs) Sam Adams. (laughs) Because what he pulled off still exists. The country still exists, whether you you agree with certain tenets of it. Um, uh, He was an interesting guy in the sense that he... uh, he hated theater. So it's like, that's not good for me. Mm. On the other hand, like I said, he revolted from England. So <laughs> you mentioned you were also a tour guide. Yeah. I'm a, uh, my mom was a uh, docent in uh, Newport in the mansions. And so I had to get an extra job. Uh, and, uh, I got a tour guide license. I'll do it here and there, you know, for about 10 years. And then, uh, I was asked if I would be interested in learning about mob tours uh, well, that's interesting. Don't know really the subject that well. And then another company, we had a war, but we're cool. If you are cool. Oh, okay. Why are they like that? Because it's a specific genre that is uh, 10% of the population loves. So when you go into a bookstore or a movie store, there's a shelf or there's a bookshelves 
of true crime. Um, might be two shelves or it might be four bookshelves, but there's a posse of people who go straight for that. And half of it is organized crime, the other is the bank robbers, murderers, and then there's that little percentage of serial killing loving women. They just love serial killers. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't understand it, but they love that. But there is this population, and you see, if you start asking around, there's people who love the gangsters. Yeah. <laughs> when you get your. Uh tour guide license what like do they like give do you have to take a test or something you can take a test it's a three-hour test 150 questions what? if you get uh you gotta get 90 of them right it's hard, uh, it's hard to get can... a tour guide license than citizenship in the united states <laughs> yeah well welcome to new york we don't uh <laughs> we don't just dole it out like that you gotta make some money somehow um but yeah so and i gold starred the test twice so i'm happy <laughs> so is it just historical New York questions or is it like yeah historical New York questions yeah. okay versus yeah. like no matter how many dumb questions the little kid asks you don't punch him in the face <laughs> don't shake the yeah. baby <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't really get those kind of tours thank goodness I like the mob tours I can stay in that genre I do regular tours also uh, with family so those can be fun sometimes you and know I really enjoy showing people do you do a character for the mob tour uh, no, but I'll play, you know, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll do some voices and stuff. Uh, I brought to the Moisture Festival Johnny Z, the hitman. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, um, I don't want to work for that kind of money wearing that costume unless I'm doing it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like a, it's easier just to tell the stories with a few sound effects and a yeah. few voices. So you really like act out up. a scene. You're like, okay, here's... You know, Bobby, Joe, like that, yeah. like that. Stab, stab, thump, thump, shoot, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> Is that that's, that's a walking okay. tour? I'm assuming. Yeah, walking tour in New York City. I work. And for what's some of, some of the stops like you would go on the mob on the mob tour? We stopped the Ravenite Social Club, where uh, John Gotti uh, ends up uh, getting bugged about upstairs. We mm -hmm. go and take a look at uh, Old St. Pat's Church, where they shot the Godfather in there. Where Martin Scorsese was a altar boy. We look at all the restaurants. I describe the murders that happened in them, or I talk about the old gangsters, uh, Lucky Luciano. Uh, there was a the Open Curb Exchange, a giant outdoor liquor market that existed for 13 years right next to the police station. That's awesome. I want to yeah. do that. I know. Uh, give me a holler when you come to New All York right, City. Yeah. <laughs> now, you mentioned so you have a character, Johnny Z, that you did at the Moisture Festival. How many characters yeah. do you do? Well, in general, like uh, if I come out, like I also came out my silver suit. I say silver suit zero boy. I play around. I The last time I was at the Moisture Festival, I did my uh, Wiley Coyote routine, which is a zero boy version of Wiley Coyote, um, who finally ends up beating and, and uh, juicing the uh, <laughs> Roadrunner. Beep, beep. Um, uh, so, you know, and then uh, I also have uh, a, a variety. I mean, in, in general, Johnny Z is the main one that I'm working on right now because it's a show called The Gangster. Uh, now, after being in Seattle, it's called Triggered, The Gangster Logs. Johnny Z of Moida Incorporated before it was just uh, The Gangster Logs. Um, so it's, a, you know, basically it tells the story of him growing up as a uh, Lupo Salatario, hitman for Murder Incorporated and Lucky Luciano and the commission, the National Crime Commission. Uh, he's also a, a, a theatrical union guy. By the way, make sure you guys uh, send me to your union. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he has the biggest office on Broadway in the biggest theater, although he's never there because it's a no-show job because he's on the train. 
fulfilling contracts. You know, uh, all around the country. So, and you know, I like to make it funny. It's funny because uh, with the hitman character, uh, I'll say, "All right." Uh, I'll ultimately say, "All right, I'm in your town. Who are you, boss? Who got any bosses here? Uh, who do you want whacked? How do you want it done? And what are you willing to pay?" And I and I say it very clearly. I say, "Now, uh, don't make it jump painful. Make it Bugs Bunny run over by a roller coaster. You know, give me and don't you know whatever you want to pay. It could be ten large. It could be four chestnuts. It could be two broken down Chevys. Make it weird. I'm a cartoon. I'm a ghost from 1948. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but people always go, John, by a roller coaster." <laughs> just kill my friend but but it's kind of funny because i've even had a guy literally at the end of one just stamp up and throw a hundred dollar bill and say thank you after i whacked his business partner <laughs> yeah. so I, I try to make it like a weird cartoon i yeah. want it to be funny and strange um you know and maybe, well i saw that i saw you do that at the moisture festival i thought that was an interesting moment when you like ask people in the audience how how they want it done and then they're like uh they don't want you know then they say Bye, well, I had, yeah exactly it's a it, it was funny because the kids really dug it <laughs> they were like yeah and then there was i don't know how many people screamed mitch mcconnell oh. 17 or 20 times um you're like but it we was already funny. killed him in this scene yeah, exactly. he's already dead he's not alive <laughs> he's he's an you know a hologram um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so it's it's. Uh, I was funny. It was like three people raised their hand, not sure at first, the first time I did it, and then eight people, and then sixty people. Yeah. Once they realize, oh, okay, hitman on demand. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because there is an element of people where, and it's too bad because it's a glorification of, of gangsterism in, in in some ways, but they're already glorified, so it doesn't really matter, and they're mm-hmm. in politics. Um, and then uh, you want to make it strange, but it, it there's an element of people like I want to make someone pay for what they did to me. <laughs> and sometimes people make it very personal, but they also make it goofy. The guy who ran by me on his bicycle and cut me off, you know, the guy who when you go to push the button goes and pushes the same button again on the elevator. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Hate you that know, guy. Can you take care of that guy, Johnny Z? <laughs> That's funny. I like that. You ever have people like, oh, like just like a like very specific vendetta from like when they were like seven? They're like this kid who stole my toy when I was nine, Ryan. Oh, it's it, it's all kinds. I had um, oh, I had someone. I went to school with Josh Hawley. <laughs> I want him dead. You know, I was like, wow. Um, I always then, say. And then do they ever go no, like I, your jo- Josh Hawley impression is not right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right you know it, it's usually uh you know the thing about being in uh, doing those is that because i'm a vocal acrobat i can kind of play around with uh with sound and a little bit of pantomime and so you know as i say to people i'm not a, a kodak camera who captures the perfect moment yeah. i'm more of an impressionist who gives you an idea oh i get that what he's talking about you know mm. as much as i can get close people say hey can you do an elephant and it's like oh god the elephant. That's the hard one. <laughs> you know, like, oh no, well, that worked that was so bad, good. but I mean, yeah, but good. still, it's like do that for a while. You know, I was like, oh god, and all, oh, you know, yeah. there's, there's certain sounds that just like I don't feel. I'm not so great at it. I'm not a, mm-hmm. I'm not a uh, repro machine. I'm more of an impressionist weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> now I, I listened to the uh, one of the next big things on NPR that you do, and you've done a few of them over the years. When you do those, do they send you the script ahead of time or is it sort of improv? So those are 
a few years back. So they're a bit old. I, you know, it's been a while. Um, they, the show no longer runs. But uh, what, what they would do is, is they would say, all right, send in your 20-word scenario. We will not show him the scenario. We'll pick them. We'll call you. We'll make a time with you. And then he'll be in the studio. And so it was literally like you heard them, like, hi, here's my scenario. And I right then and there, no, but there's no stop. Think about it. It's okay. Nice. Off you go. That's nice. amazing. So, yeah. I mean, I like to think of myself as a kind of a good improviser. So yeah, uh, well, you, I think you have to be when you're like opening yourself up to suggestion. I mean, essentially, that's what it is. It's an improv show with like, yep. yeah, right, give me a suggestion. Give me a person. Give me a time. I always I've done that for years. Uh, some people say, oh, did you have anything in mind when you perform? And sometimes I do. And sometimes I don't. Like last night I had a show. And uh, I did my car routine and added a few little bits to it. Now that's a straight routine. The, the, uh, there's two money makers. I, I jokingly call them my money makers: a car routine and a sex routine. And uh, I could sleep through them. I've done them thousands of times. Mm. They hit. Um, and then other times I just play around with the moment, which was uh, for a long time when the Moisture Festival first began, there was a lot more space involved with the Moisture Festival. There was like, we're finding out who we are, people are coming, and I would do a lot of shows and I would uh. improvise and play with the audience for a long time. Um, now it's become a little more, you know, hey, boom, 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 we have this yeah. bunch of year in and out. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, and I really like that uh, with because uh, watching some of the old videos in Seattle, the audiences are really funny. Yeah, it's, um, it's a, uh, yeah, it's a little bit more loose. You can play with your time a little bit more and uh, and play with the audience a little bit more. And now it's like you, eight minutes. Don't go over eight minutes. Yeah, yeah, and I always. Oh, oh yeah, I think yeah, I think you did when I saw you. You were like oh man, 13 I always or 14. I, I, yeah, I'm like oh my god. But, you know, but I did notice there was a few. I'm not the only one. Let's be really clear. I might be the only one that I get that gets uh, told. But I'm not the only one. So. <laughs> and you uh, you were not only do vocal. I mean, you studied you studied clown, right? And you have a background in clowning. I was uh, I I'm uh, I'm not as as studious about the clown as some of my friends who, who call themselves clowns. I would, I was, uh, Django Edwards called me nouveau clown. And what that mm. was is I studied clown with a woman by the name of Mary Conway. I studied theater. I studied clown and fool with Shakespeare and company. Um, and then was Mary was like, I like what you do. Uh, you can come and take classes for free. And so that was nice. And, um, so, uh, I'm not a traditional nose clown. I can do it. It's not my, uh, I'm more of a weirdo performance artist, I guess, in some ways, yeah. or I call myself an entertainer. It's a little easier to say that. Mm -hmm. uh, performance artists, uh, people just immediately like write you off in some mm -hmm. worlds. Um, but uh, when I say that, it's a weird one. I'm a theater artist, basically. I grew up as a theater artist, as an actor, writer, director, producer. I produced theater in the Lower East Side. Um, and so I've had a chance to have a little taste of everything, maybe not on a huge scale, but I've taken the ship out myself. And uh, so, you know, it's uh, it's nice for me now to kind of put combine all those things into one. Like I have some plays I've written that I'm going to try and see if I can get stage readings yeah. and blah, 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 blah. So when you write a play, like what what's the process of like, OK, I wrote this play. Now I would like to get it on stage. Like what is the process of that? Like what, how do you go about getting it on stage or? So in the old days, I would just produce it. I had access to theaters about 20 plus years ago. I would just, okay, uh, I worked to, <laughs> I was in desktop publishing before it existed in 1985, 86. And so I had computer jobs that made me a fortune a daily. Uh, I'm 
totally broke now, but at that time for like a few years, I basically would go put on a suit, go down to Fourth Street, teach people, corp, corporate people how to use PageMaker, all the mm-hmm. desktop publishing software and be sent out to companies. I went from like the East Village punk rock weirdo to, oh, he looks good in a suit and he's he can actually talk better than everybody else. Uh, so <laughs> I got some great gigs doing that. And then a spring went, which is like, you know, uh, I'm an artist. I'm not trained. To, I mean, I, I can do the computer thing, but I'm, I'm, this is my life. I've been a bohemian artist. So I knew it when I was four, mm. you know? So at a certain point with the computer thing, it's like, oh, I could be a millionaire and just go this direction, or I could be the poor dude who just does his own thing when he wants to. Yeah. And so that's what I would do is produce plays, had actors. But as you get older, people, posses of young people or even older people who are available become less and less. Life has become harder for most people. So to say, oh, sure, I can commit a week or two or a few days here, a few days there, it's really tough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Totally. The next process for me is getting my plays uh, a cast reading them, and then we'll see where they go from there. So. Uh, I read that you have a background in uh, video, too. What happens is, is that the posse that I had included a guy who had a TV studio. So uh, at NYU, I, I, he, he was my tech director on all my plays. Uh, he applied for a job at NYU's library. They gave him, they said, you're in charge of the TV studio because I sent him a recommendation letter. So then we started shooting stuff. Um, and then two years ago with COVID, I started getting back into it again. I was given a studio by Chishama. Chishama Arts is the Durst family has an arts organization. They give spaces and they gave me a uh, conference room and I just started, I just set up my telephone. Uh, my friends, tech friends helped me hook the phone to the computer and initially, in my apartment, I was doing live and then I got the studio, but I didn't have good Wi-Fi there. So I would just shoot stuff and then put it up. And there's some things on my Zero Boy comedy channel on uh, YouTube where you can see Publius Nola, um, Johnny Z. I have a little Johnny Z talking about the movie Where the Sidewalk Ends. Uh, you know, just fooling around uh, was while that, everybody was you know, getting I watched Ukulele. Oh, yeah, Ukulele. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Awesome. Oh, yeah, I'm glad. Thank you. That was a, and luckily I had a nice view with uh, my buddy Purd, Tyler West, really funny uh, clown who hopefully will be at the Moisture Festival sometime sooner yeah. or later. Now, did your uh, did that show words in your face kind of come out of that time that you were working with your friend at the in the TV studio? So because I, wa- I this... watched some video back in the day. You had hair at the time. <laughs> yeah, there was like some trippy psychedelic background and you were doing uh i I don't know exactly what the story was that you were doing oh my god uh, yeah uh the sound of mourning or something like that is that right yeah i I mean here's the funny thing these things are 20 30 years old so i'm like (laughs) um you know i I do the next move on next next Mm. next um so it's funny i watched a video from the 90s that someone put up long hair and um moving around and i'm just like oh no i didn't like that show um on the other hand uh what happened was is i had this tv studio and uh, i won't mention names we had this tv studio and then um this person approached us and said hey we want to shoot this thing and sell it to mtv um and me and the my friend who had the studio we were their produced co-producers um but we also knew they were kind of kind of screw us and so I said, well, I don't know how, and this is kind of naive. I said, well, let's see how they try and screw us. Well, they did. 
they conveniently forgot us and they did sell it to MTV and it became a very huge thing. And it's a terrible thing when you're in San Francisco and someone brings you home and you look up and there on their television is the two boxed, two box VHS and knowing that you got screwed. Uh, yeah. and that was very popular. So, you know, that it, it, as anyone can tell in the arts, there's always that uh, that can happen. Well, yeah. <laughs> when we interviewed Tom Noddy, he said, uh, he goes, you're supposed to get screwed on your first deal. <laughs> yeah. Is that what I wish saying? I was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I'd learned a little more about the mob earlier in life. Uh, because, uh, you know, uh, the, one thing about the mob is they just want their money. Mm-hmm. So I've always not really cared so much about money, uh, more cared about relationships, friendships, making art. You know, I had that bohemian mentality. Some people would say, well, you have the privilege of doing it. Well, not necessarily. I, I it just like I mentioned, I had a, a period with computers where I had money so I could produce. Um, that was a surprise. And then 30 years of no money has, you know, been more <laughs> the, the thing. But being able to do shows and being connected and being, you know, thrown on NPR and various other MTV videos and stuff. That's been a real pleasure, you know? Yeah. And having the ability to, you know, I mean, you've done traveled all through Europe doing shows. You did Germany, the cabarets, I think, did you do shows in Russia too? I did a, I went out to Russia and I wasn't expecting to do a show, but they said, we have this big anti-drug show. I was like, Oh really? <laughs> it was like 2000 people. So I came and did my thing and they're all like, wow. <laughs> Wait, what does an anti-drug show consist of? Just like any other, you know, we're performing and talking about anti-drugs. I don't understand what they're talking about, but here's some drugs. <laughs> <Woo-hoo>! <laughs> You're doing the pro drug show. <laughs> I'm the pro drug part of the show. <laughs> Now, I'm the villain in this show, but that you that came right from when you were hosting the Cannabis Cup for High Times in Amsterdam. So you went from hosting <laughs> doing this to anti-drugs as a quick transformation. Well, you know, I I learned some new things about life in Russia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it was um, it's funny. It's uh, it was High Times magazine that got me to Amsterdam to host their Cannabis Cup, and uh, I worked for them for six months before I quit. I was their foreign correspondent, and uh, they had a, I had a beautiful place on the Otis Eisenberg Wall. But it's really that's not my world. It's um, you know I knew the people. I enjoy smoking weed, and I liked having the gig getting brought out there. But really, an entertainer. And then I started the nascent stand-up comedy scene was happening there, and somehow I fit into it. I'm not really a stand-up comedian. I can make people laugh, but you know, it's there's a little difference. Yeah. And uh, so I was able to perform because I made people laugh. <laughs> and uh, now that scene is big yeah but it allowed me to tour around holland and, and go to places uh small towns like leiden and uh you know and and Den Haag, uh, where i learned about uh oh what do you do well i am going to school uh i work in the business of creating self-sexing machines for people who do not have uh the ability because they have no arms or legs <laughs> That's a real thing. Wow. That's a real thing. I was like, I love Holland. Yeah. Like, you know, some person is born without arms and legs, and what are they thinking? Boy, the guy's got to bust him out at some yeah, point. Yeah, get some. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I think Holland is like heaven on earth. I feel like. Well, if you live in Seattle. 
we're, we're, you know, I love Seattle. You know, it's not like this all the time. It's just during the spring and fall that it's rainy. And most of really. the summer. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. Every time I go, it's gray. Like the, the, this time, actually, this time was completely different. It barely rained. It was sunny. Everyone was like, wow, this is, I mean, typically in the moisture fest, there was a couple of nights where there's some rain, but typically in the moisture fest, so I'm walking around and it's a little soaky raincoat. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, nice and sunny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But otherwise, they're always like, it's, it's not like this all the time. I was like, yeah, it is. I lived in Oregon. It was nicer than yeah. Eugene. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so I'm curious, how'd you get the name Zero Boy? Uh, Zero Girl wasn't working out so good. So I just, uh, you know, um, I was really into cyberpunk computers uh, early on in the early 80s. Uh, so I was curious. I always saw sort of, um, wow, uh, zero and one, a kind of a space uh, style thing. I popped the name a long time. For a long time, I used my title, Baron von Blumenzak as a performer, but that, that, that alienates people. So, uh, and I thought Zero Boy had hit me, you know, like I always thought of myself as kind of actor not, like someone who's in space, you know, mm. creating new worlds. And so Zero Boy, I think fits better. Well, okay, so. tell me about Baron von Blumenzak. <laughs> Oh, that's just a name title. But I'll tell you how I got the name Zero Boy. Yeah. So I was I was walking on the Champs de Lisée, right? And uh, you know, no, 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 no. Beautiful France, you know, Paris. Wow, this is so beautiful. When the Eiffel Tower starts shaking, like the top, and you can hear, and everyone's going, no, 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 which in French means no. And uh, the the tower is shaking and bolts are popping out and I can see people hanging on for dear life. So I you know, activate my uh, superhero powers and fly up, put on my welding fingers, fix the cracks, push the thing back into shape. And then the, the president at the time was Mitterrand. I was like, oh, this is a hero boy. The hero boy, he save us. And then uh, Fox News wrote down zero boy. And so I kept it. Yeah, yeah. So that's how I got it. Now, is, is Zero Boy different from Zack Zach, Zach, Zero? So Jack Zero is a comic book that uh, um, I wrote and collaborated with Arnold Pander from the Pander Brothers. Um, he is a, a trick shooter who uh, grows up uh, as an, uh, being taught by an abolitionist uh, pistol skills. And then the abolitionist is killed uh, while trying to stop a uh, lynching. And, uh, and but the abolitionists had taught him you can never use these skills to kill. And the irony is that he kills the killer of uh, his his mentor. And so he's haunted by that. But he's also this trick shooter who travels around very popular. And uh, it's a, it was a story I put together. And uh, Arnold came to Amsterdam. We're there, and I oh we got to do a collaboration. We got I said I got this Western guy. No no no. Then I handed him this the thing, and he was like, this is great. <laughs> And so I, I literally made little worlds in front of him, you know, like here's the train, you see it curving and he's shooting out the windows and da, 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 da. And uh, it, was, it was a little feather in my cap. I grew up with the uh, comic book. So it's nice to see something, make it to, uh, you know, five issues. In, uh, wow. Dark Horse Presents. So, nice. that's, so that did that get distributed uh, places like? Yeah. Dark Horse Presents. Dark Horse is a big comic book yeah, company yeah. and they had this anthology series. But what's ironic about it is right after that, they pointed to this one and said, this is the example of what we don't want. We need more muscle superhero guys. Oh, gotcha. Too thoughtful. I was like, wow. Arnold told me that. I was like, wow, that's crazy. 
<laughs> At least you're now, an example. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> You'll be in the dark horse sort of what not to do or what to do book. Yeah, yeah. I'm impressed by it. I, a comic book, I, that's not my – it was fun to see it that's turn amazing. into life. You know, and so. what is a uh, Doctor Drago? I, I, were you were you a character on Nickelodeon? Did I read that? Correctly? Yeah, there was a uh, 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 I forget the name of the show. Alien Don. Doctor. Yeah, Alien Don. Yeah. So uh, I played Doctor Drago. I was the uh, alien guy, and I end up getting turned into. You actually see me, and normally I I talk like this. No, we didn't do that. The director's like, more of that, more of that. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> and I, I at one point, you know, I have like lightning bolts flying out of my hands, which is typical of Zero Boy, anyhow. So it's easy to get into it. Yeah. I just add alien. <laughs> I was banished. <laughs> is that on YouTube? I I didn't see it on YouTube. You know, I don't think we're allowed to. Uh, YouTube is a little more hardcore about posting up your videos from your TV shows you were on, because the TV shows don't don't allow that. Yeah. So on my website, I could post it. I haven't posted it up there, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, <laughs> you got to go watch Alien Dawn. <laughs> I love Alien Dawn. Then you get your seven cent residual check out of that bad boy. It's my 17th oh, no. No, favorite that, show. They, yeah, that, that ain't that kind of gig. <laughs> you got your seven cents up front. <laughs> now, what? how did you come to the Moisture Festival? So Circus Contraption comes to town. New York, and as a big hit, they uh, perform, and everyone's talking about Circus Contraption. They, they, they're, they were come writ large what everyone was trying to do in mm -hmm. a certain sense, just on smaller scales. Like the Bindlestiff Family Circus is now doing really well, um, but you know, but 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 like here is a kind of like steampunk West Coast circus that has all the pieces well put together. Yeah. Um, so I walked in, uh, I had heard from Hacky, who's a friend of mine, hey man, you'll, although you have to see the show and say, and I was going away for a week. So I walked in the theater for the new city, which my friend, the, the same guy with the TV studio was a technical director after he left that job. And I said, hi, my name is Zero Boy. I'm a friend of Hacky's. They're all in the middle of this big theater. And I've got an apartment for four days that if anyone would like to stay at, they can do it. Do so now, please talk to me. They all came over. Uh, a couple of them stayed in my place. They were so happy to get out of the basement of the TNC. Yeah. yeah. And then I became really, really good friends uh, later on with David Krellen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, and Drew and those guys being murdered was just such a shock to me because they were so they were always so sweet to me. Yeah. And um, so what happened was is hey man you have to come into the moisture fest you have to come it's great and so. I came and I had such a great time. And uh, I came with like three suitcases, 20 outfits. You know, I was having a great time and pick up my new clothes in, in, in Seattle, meet new friends. Um, yeah, it was just it was just a real joy to be there for two or three weeks and just, you know, uh, have a great time and play. Mm -hmm. um, so that's how I, I got introduced to Moisture Fest. And uh, I'm surprised because it's like, wow, been like 10 years. I had a little 10 year gap before performing there. And I was like, that's been 10 years. Wow. Yeah. So hockey was the guy that sort of introduced you to it. Yeah. Yeah. And did you know him through your time doing cabarets in Germany? What happened was I went to Berlin at the Hackeschehof was the chameleon variety. I don't remember how I did it, but somehow I went to their open stage and performed. 
Hey man, we have a show. You have to be in our show. I want you, we sign you contract for the for three months. You perform with us. Oh, awesome. But I'm going to Russia. <laughs> so uh, I got to do this anti-drug show. I got to do this anti Well, that was a last minute thing. But uh, so I, I came back. I was literally in Russia when it was like, uh-oh, we could drive. It, this driving back in the border may be difficult. So I jumped on a plane and flew back to Berlin and worked with the, the castors. <laughs> That's where I met. Uh, them, yeah, Michael Clifton, Lito, and all these folks who were at the time. So that's I made that connection with Hacky and those guys, and then the Castors were like my ex, my three brothers. Me and Eddie lived next door to each other, and uh, yeah, I really love those guys. And yeah, uh, it's funny when you meet somebody. What was so funny is I'm sitting in my apartment. And I hear the door being opened and I pop the door open. And there's these three brothers looking at me, hello. And I'm saying, you're in the wrong one. But and it was immediately like, oh, these guys are awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a cool show that would have been, man. Yeah. That was fun. That was uh, about Enrico Rostelli. So, oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And wow. uh, I got to do a, a vocal version of Enrico Rostelli being born. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and uh, and then him dying, etc. A little uh, little zero boy rendition of his life. I was the timekeeper. Did came people out know who Enrico Rastelli was? Is not at that time, um, because I'm you know I'm I was not a, a variety circus performer. So then, of course, the guy Carl Heinz Zeton was yeah. the guy who wrote the book on juggling. Yeah. And so Carl Heinz, I love Carl Heinz. Wow, what a great guy. He was uh, he came and talked to us about him. So we had we had the historian there. And uh, and so That's that amazing. was really great. Yeah, it was. That was a show where someone died. Um, <laughs> so I come wait, to the wait, show. You mean someone so, actually died? So I come to the show. And what I didn't know was it was a gala show. So we were supposed to start early. And they're like, oh, you're late. I'm like, late. Yeah, it's a gala show today. No one told me. Um, and I had friends who I was going to see if I could get them in. And then we're all getting dressed. And all of a sudden, Hacky comes in. Oh man, <laughs> everyone! I have news, bad news. Um, a man has died in the foyer. But because this is a bank and a gala, this is the man who holds the key to the vault, so everyone knows him. Therefore, normally, someone dies, you take them out. The show goes on. But because this is a gala and they paid for the show, they do not want to do the show, and so. We are not doing the show, but the food is there. Go out and eat. So I bring my friends in. <laughs> eat like pigs. Yeah, like, I felt bad. Yeah. I would love for him to say, we are not going to do the show, but we must find who the murderer is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you see Johnny Z. I got to go. <laughs> Back to America. <laughs> I don't know. Zero Boy was here and then he left. Can you tell us more about him? He kept on going by the name of Johnny Z. And then the, he was going yes, to Russia. He just came from Russia. He was in Russia. <laughs> All right. So if people want to find out about you, uh, zeroboy.com. You're on Instagram under zeroboynyc. YouTube, yeah. zeroboycomedy. Um, anything else that yeah. I'm missing? No, that's perfect. That uh, You know, Instagram and Facebook, there's a Zero Boy page. You know, um, yeah, it, it's uh, easy. You know, my uh, my zeroboy.com page, you can get a taste of what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then so. your NPR stuff is up there. There's a bunch of your videos and stuff. So yeah. pretty, pretty cool stuff. Um, or I, on YouTube, it's Zero Boy Comedy. And, yeah. you know, it, it's um, their uh, one man band videos. 
with my assistant who helped me. So, but you know, I try to have some fun, you know. It's great. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome stuff. Did we miss anything? Is there anything? No, I mean, I, I really, it was a real pleasure to talk to you. It reminded me of how much fun I had at the Moisture Festival. Yeah, man, it's really cool to get to know a little bit more about you. Yeah. Hey, folks, want to thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Real quick, the Moisture Festival is dedicated to keeping the ticket prices to shows affordable, and they do that by relying on individual donations. You can donate financially or volunteer. To get more information, go to themoisturefestival.org and click on the Contribute button. You'll get all the deets there. Absolutely. And if you want to just follow the Moisture Festival, you can do that on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or you can just go loiter outside of the Palladium <laughs> at Hale's Ales. That's a way that you can follow them. If you want to find out more information on Louie and I, we also do a podcast on our own called The Odd and Off Beat podcast that's where we talk about strange news stories of the day you can hear us chat about all things weird absolutely you can do that on and off beat.com or wherever you get your podcasts if you want to find out about us individually where we're performing at you can find louie at louiefox.com and that's with two x's and matt's at comedy that's spelt regularly <laughs> <laughs> so we would like to thank you so much for listening so much for your time and we hope to see you at the moisture festival soon be well Thank you for listening to Moisture Festival Podcast and stay moist.